accident happened on August 6th, 2006. Yeah, yeah. So I was on a road trip with my friend and his dad out to California. So I was 16 when it happened. And um, it was the end of summer, a few weeks before school. Uh, my junior year in high school was going to start. The sun had just come up. And on the way back, his dad fell asleep while driving. It was a Jeep Wrangler, and it was a soft top. And we went off the road, and then the car flipped a bunch of times, and I got thrown out back. We were going about 80 miles an hour, they estimate. Um, I was wearing my seatbelt and everything, but I just got launched out because it was such a violent crash. Even broke through my seatbelt. Got some scars from that. And um, I flew through the air and hit the sandy desert that was out in Utah and broke part of my upper neck, collapsed both my lungs, and broke a few ribs. And that's how I ultimately ended up being in a coma for a month and a half. Flying through the air and trying to get up. Yeah, so there's nothing I can do being in the back of an ambulance. Something's wrong. I know something's wrong. Like, it fixed me. Both my lungs and blood collapsed, pops like my lungs kind of exploded. I'm not right, like something's wrong. The walls inside your trachea and your internal bleeding. Maybe you'll lie. in the sack in around my heart. She's floating under a frozen river and I couldn't And then I slipped into blackness, just like falling asleep. The, the doctors decided it was in my best interest that they put me in a drug-induced coma while my injuries healed. So they, they kept me in this drug-induced state of sleep uh, for a month and a half because it was pretty incredible that I survived. They told my parents when I first arrived at the hospital that I had a 5% chance of surviving, which is, in medical talk, that means it's hopeless. In the, I think in like the 24 hours directly after the crash, my heart stopped four times and they were able to revive me. I remember a lot of nurses referred to me as like a miracle child, and so, which was very flattering. You know, I don't know at all when like the first dream came in the this, in this series of dreams I had, but the one I remember the best, I was in this room by myself and there's no walls to this room. It just kind of faded to black, and the ceiling faded to black. It was all covered in carpet. I remember that for some reason very vividly. It was just this carpeted room with little uh, platforms and terraces. And on all these platforms were these um, abstract glass sculptures, like that were really spiny and like twisted, like corkscrews. And it was like I was walking around at an art museum, just gazing at all these things, and. I would make a loop around this exhibit, and I kept doing this, just walking around. I remember thinking in the dream, like, I've gotten all I can out of this, like, I want to go to another room, go somewhere else, and I just couldn't, and I was stuck. Like, as, as much as my mind wanted to um, go somewhere else and stop walking in these circles, my body kept doing it, like, without my consent, and I was just stuck in this room just kept going in circles and I started to sweat. I uh, felt really hot and panicked. Like my heartbeat went up and I just 
started to get anxiety. I was like, how am I going to get out of here? Am I, am I just stuck here? Uh, when you become lucid in a dream, you can usually change circumstances. You, know, you can like fly around or make a car materialize, things like that. But I was, I like came into consciousness in this dream, but I was still helpless to do anything about it. I would just be stuck in these infinite loops that felt like they were never going to end, and I felt like I'd be trapped there forever. Another one I remember really vividly was that I was on um, an old-fashioned like push cart for a railroad. Uh, it was in the middle of this canyon. Um, There's like a ridge that went straight down the middle. It was a perfectly straight canyon with railroad track going all the way down it as far as the eye could see. And then there's two, like, thousand-foot cliffs on each side and, like, rocky river below. And then on the other side of the, the canyon was just, like, endless flat gray land. And I was just kind of stuck on this train track. I thought I was dreaming. And I was like, okay, let's get out of this dream and go somewhere else. And I tried to move off of the cart and ended up just... Like my, my legs collapsed underneath me and I fell off the side but got hooked onto some part of this cart and it kept moving while I was stuck dragging along the edge of this cliff with like thousands of feet of craggly rocks below me and it just kept going and I couldn't move and I couldn't get out of that no matter what I did. Push cart, rocky river, flat gray land. Like, the idea of not waking up ever again wasn't as frightening as being stuck in those dream worlds forever. And then eventually, it just faded back into black, um, as, as dreams usually do, I guess. These dream scenarios would always, um, you know, I'd, I'd kind of awake in this dream and be aware of it, and this panic would build to, like, this unbearable, excruciating level. And then it would just drop away, and I'd be in this, like, spiritual, unconscious plane. Kind of, like, indescribable field. Like the matrix of all our souls. Like this dark... And it's kind of like where our souls go. Plane where, like... When we die or when we do fall asleep. My thoughts and... Peaceful, black, like, nothingness. Uh, emotions, like, sense of self. Where, like, everything's one, but there's also... Nothing. I remember thinking... Like, no matter what's going on in life or... When I was having this anxiety, like, in the world around us, I just want that, that darkness to come back. Because I think at that point I'd realized there's always this, like, blanket underneath it all. These dreams would end. That's this calm, dark. And I would go back into this nice, peaceful place, place where I was just asleep. Kind of, it kind of confirmed this idea or belief in me that there's this spiritual plane that we all connect to and, and go to from time to time, either when we're dreaming or maybe when we're meditating or even when we die. It's like the place we go back to. And it's really comforting for me in my, my daily life to know there's a, like this peaceful, calm nothingness that like 
holds us, and we can always get back to you. But I clearly remember coming awake for the first time and seeing my mom's face and my dad and my brother and some of the nurses. And I remember thinking, like, this is real. Like, this is the actual, like, I'm actually awake now. It must have been about two weeks after I was fully awakened in. Um, my dad was hanging out in the hospital room with me. And then I remember asking him, like, what happened? Flying through the air and trying There's to get up. There's nothing I can do. And I don't think at that time he explained that I had been out for so long. And, like, the week or so following, I, I would, you know, look down at my hands and my fingernails were super, super long. And my hair had, like, grown down, like, over my eyes. And I had a little bit of stubble, like, coming in like a beard. And I'd never had a beard before. Yeah, I got a beard. <laughs> and um, I think it was my mom a little later on. It was like, yeah, that was, that was in August, and it's almost October now. Really just the whole experience was like a dream. It was just like I was on a road trip, and then... I woke up the next day, even though it was a month and a half later. Like, wow, that was a long time. <laughs> well, this podcast was produced by me, Mark Anderson, with editorial help from Otto Mahler and Wendy Call. And thanks to Jesse Honeycutt for sharing this story. I'm really happy to say that Jesse recovered fully from this accident, and he's now living in Olympia, Washington. Okay, so I'm going to do this again. So this is a brand new podcast, and I'd really love if you'd help me spread the word. This past month has been awesome. Your feedback has been really wonderful, and I'm so happy to start building an audience. But I'd love if you'd help me make that audience grow. So please subscribe to iTunes and Stitcher and follow me on Facebook and SoundCloud. And I also just started a Twitter page, and I never really got Twitter before, but I think I'm starting to understand it. And I may even like it. So follow me there, at The Smallest Bone. The website's thesmallestbone.com. And you can leave comments on the show at any of those places. And really, I'd love to hear what you think. But tell your friends, share the show. I'd really appreciate your help. And thanks for listening. Hope you listen again in a month.